0: You will have these workouts for life, four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers, so you've got 40 workouts total, plus there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining Each episode will leave you with concrete tips for making positive changes that make a difference. Primal Potential is here to help you lose weight, get healthy, and master fat loss naturally. Hey there, and welcome back to episode 37 of the Primal Potential podcast. You're hanging out with me, your host, Elizabeth Benton, and it's actually episode 49 because I number the Q&A episodes separately, which means that next up is number 50, which is totally crazy. I can't believe that we've already done almost 50 episodes, so be sure to tune in for that one. I guess I'm going to have to do something special on Tuesday. I'm really glad you're here, and I Put together today's episode, initially intending for it to be a QA episode because it is something I've received a lot of questions about, but as I dove into it, I really decided to do a regular full episode because I have so much to say about this topic. Today we're gonna to be talking about intermittent fasting. Or really kind of the idea between fasting versus overfeeding in general. And intermittent fasting is kind of a controversial subject, and I definitely have an opinion on it. I hope that I'm answering your questions in this episode, but if I don't, be sure to let me know. You can connect with me via email if you're on the Primal VIP email list, which you can get on over on the homepage of PrimalPotential.com, and let me know what other questions you have on this topic so I can be sure to answer them. There are a bazillion opinions on intermittent fasting, and it's kind of become a little bit of one of those kind of trendy topics in the dieting world right now, and there are undeniable pros and cons. It's important to remember, though, that intermittent fasting can mean different things to different people. We all, every one of us, we all intermittently fast to some degree, right? That period of time between the last thing we eat at night and the first thing we eat in the morning is an intermittent fasting period. Some people will eat an early dinner and then have a late breakfast, and so they have a naturally longer fasting period. Other people eat late at night and skip breakfast, or they kind of munch throughout the evening and eat breakfast as soon as they wake up in the morning. But regardless, that overnight fast period, that fasting period between after dinner or after the last thing we eat at night and the first thing we eat in the morning, that is an intermittent fast. And I want to start with kind of the big picture here. And that is that there is no magic answer for everyone. I get a little bit hesitant when I cover topics like this because I know, because I used to think this way too, that if I create an argument in favor of intermittent fasting, then everybody's going to be like, oh my gosh, I need to do that. Whatever I'm doing now, I need to stop. And... I just really want you to be on guard against that way of thinking. Just because you read a blog or a book or an article or listen to a podcast touting the benefits of intermittent fasting, not only does it not mean that it will work for you, it doesn't necessarily mean that you should try it. You know what is going to let you know what works for you? You. And the other thing to consider is that any degree of progress will be beneficial To you. And even if I were going to argue on here that the 18 hour fast is ideal for fat loss, and I'm, I'm not going to, but just theoretically, that doesn't mean it's the only way. We all have to work on overcoming the all or nothing mindset of thinking. Because even if it were true that an 18 hour fast was ideal, if you're currently doing a six or eight hour fast, it doesn't mean you need to be like, oh, I need to retool everything and I need to have an 18 hour overnight fast. Six and a half hours, eight and a half hours. Progress is going to be better than perfection. So I just, if you start to think, ooh, that sounds good, I should try that. I'm gonna really encourage you not to do that, especially if you're doing something right now that's working for you. If you're working on one of the big rocks we've talked about on other episodes and you're seeing results and you're feeling good, keep doing what you are doing, okay? And I want to debunk some major myths, but I want to start with establishing some basics, all right? And these are really fundamental regardless of what we're talking about. They're true for intermittent fasting, but they're just true in general in terms of the way we feed and fuel ourselves. There are only two states that our body can be in, and they can't be in both. You're either in one or the other. You are either in an anabolic state or a fed state, where you have fueled your body and it is actively finding a way to break down and metabolize what you've eaten and deliver that fuel to your body. So state number one is anabolic, building up, delivering fuel that you've consumed, also called a fed state, all right? the. Other option, the only other option, and you can't be in both, is a catabolic state, a breakdown state, or a fasted state, where you are you have not provided your body with any fuel, and so it is using your body as a fuel source, i.e. your fat stores, okay? Another way to think of this is you're either in a postprandial state, which is after a meal, where you are digesting, absorbing, using the nutrients you've eaten, or storing them, Or you're in a post-absorptive state. So the postprandial state is over. You're no longer digesting. You're no longer absorbing. You are using your own body as fuel. Okay, those are the only options. We cannot be burning fat or losing weight when we are in that anabolic fed state. Our body is busy breaking down the food that we've eaten, and it's using that as a fuel source or taking the extra and storing it. And that process takes hours. Depending on the size of your meal or the composition of your meal or your insulin sensitivity, that can take six hours or more. But here's the problem. We keep eating, so we stay in that mode. We get this like twinge of hunger a couple hours after we've eaten, and we're like, oh, I'm hungry, I need to eat. We kind of panic a little bit. But here's the thing your body is still in a fed state. Your body is still in an anabolic state. You have some habitual hunger, some some psychological hunger that's based on your programmed behaviors. And so you're fueling yourself again, even though you're still in that fed anabolic state and you're never allowing yourself to get into a catabolic or fasted state, okay? So we make fat burning and weight loss super, super challenging because We're either always staying in this fed, anabolic, postprandial state, right? Or we're making our fasted window teeny tiny, literally only a couple of hours a day. We have got into this mindset really in probably the past 20 or 30 years as a society of having to eat every few hours or else, right? We'll die. We'll be hungry. Or worse, we'll be hangry, right? That angry-hungry combo. Or, God forbid, we'll lose muscle or we'll go into starvation mode. And really, that's just not true. Think for a second just from a common sense perspective about evolution and how our bodies were designed. Did our paleolithic ancestors snack every few hours? Could they just go into the pantry and be like, oh, my tummy's rumbling, I'm going to grab a granola bar? No. And was there an obesity epidemic at that point? Um, No. Even a few hundred years ago, Did our great-grandparents or even our grandparents eat every few hours? No. Was there an obesity epidemic? No. And think, too, about who perpetuates this message that we need to eat every couple of hours or else. People selling diet programs where they want us to drink their shakes all the time or take their pills or their bars or their whatever. Food companies selling cereal and breakfast bars and protein bars and whatever. This is a relatively new concept, and it's really more towards the first world countries, right? The rest of the world not only is not obese the way that we are, um, doesn't have the obesity epidemic, the diabetes epidemic, and they certainly don't eat every few hours. This is a relatively new concept. We eat the most frequently, and we're also the fattest, and the sickest. So something isn't right. That is clearly not a truth that we need to, you know, fuel our metabolism every two to three hours. And again, if we step back to this kind of common sense perspective, the constant snacking, eating, and grazing, is it working? And you might be thinking, well, it works for my trainer, or I looked at the meal plan of that fitness model in the magazine where they, they spelled out everything she eats, and she eats every couple of hours. Well, is she trying to burn fat? We have to remember that there is a strategy difference required for weight loss or fat loss versus maintenance, and what is her activity level compared to yours? More importantly, stop comparing, right? Look just at yourself. Is what you are doing working for you? It really doesn't matter, and I'm not saying this to be harsh, I'm saying this just because it's really true, it really doesn't matter what's working for someone else, we just have to evaluate what's working for you, what's working for your body. And a lot of people will argue that fasting decreases your metabolism. This plays right back into what we were just talking about with like, oh, I have to eat every two to three hours or I'm going to lose muscle or I'm going to slow down my metabolism. We're not talking about fasting for a month right? We're talking about fasting for a number of hours. And here's the thing, your basal metabolic rate or your resting metabolic rate does not change when you fast, okay? So here's the thing. Our Basal metabolic rate, our resting metabolic rate, is not based on what we eat. It is based on the amount of energy our body requires just to keep us alive, okay? To keep our cells working, to keep our heart beating, to keep our eyes blinking, whatever processes literally keep us alive, that is the amount of energy required for our basal metabolic rate. That does not decrease if we have a fasting window, okay? What does change, though, is the amount of calories burned through digestion, okay? So if you take if you take the total picture of how many calories a person burns in the day, there's going to be their resting metabolic rate, okay? There's going to be the calories burned from whatever movement and activity they engaged in, and then there's going to be the amount of calories burned from what's called the thermic effect of food, or the amount of energy your body requires to digest the food that you eat. So when we're in a fasting period, if the total calorie number, calories burned, comes down, people will say, see, you're burning fewer calories. But that's really coming from the thermic effect of food. If you are not eating, then you're not burning calories eating food. But here's where it's silly. Let's say you eat 600 calories worth of food in in an afternoon, okay? The thermic effect of food might be a few percent of that, all right? So it's not like oh, gee, we have this big loss. No, no, there's still an obvious net gain of calories consumed from eating. You don't burn off more than you consume, right? So it's kind of a a silly argument based on misunderstanding. Your metabolic rate does not decrease from fasting. The bigger challenge, I think, though, is that we tend to panic in the face of hunger, right? We're like, oh, my gosh, if I don't eat something, it's gonna be bad. I need to eat. And we act as if, We're truly starving and we're not, okay? We just have programmed ourselves to really respond kind of urgently and unnecessarily to that habitual need to eat. We really aren't in need of fuel when we feel that. And some people will blame it on hypoglycemia or low blood sugar. But I just want to say that is rarely a problem For anyone who is not diabetic, it's really only a problem for less than 5% of the population because our bodies are designed to regulate our blood sugar whether we're eating or not. And if we think about the normal fasting blood sugar level, which is usually between 70 and 120, okay? that accounts for about one teaspoon of sugar over our entire blood volume. So the argument of like, I need to have a banana with almond butter right now or I need to have this chocolate bar right now because my blood sugar is low or I need to eat this whole bag of trail mix, that's not true, okay? And again, there are people whose bodies can't regulate their own blood sugar, but that is very rare for the majority of us. And this hunger that we experience It's not, I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not saying that I don't have the same sensations of like, oh man, I really need to eat. I'm really hungry right now. But more often than not, it is behavioral, psychological, and habitual. It's based on things like smell, sight, pattern, right? That's why we're hungry for certain things in the morning and after dinner, right? That's not true Hunger. Like if you're starving, it doesn't matter if it's six o'clock in the morning and it doesn't matter if it's something that's palatable to you. You just need fuel. But it's what I love the term. Um, and I, I read about it in a book that I'm going to link to in the show notes um, Eat, Stop, Eat. It's called Hedonic Hunger. Okay. Hedonism being like pleasure-seeking, hedonic hunger is really based on desire, right? Feeling good, wanting something, not really needing something. There is no physiological need to eat two hours after you've eaten or even four hours after you've eaten. I'm not saying you don't physically feel something, but your body is not in a fasted state where it needs fuel. It's just not. And the reality is that most of us are overfed we are eating too much and we're eating too frequently and we're misunderstanding what true hunger is because most of us have genuinely no idea what real hunger feels like that's not to say you don't feel that pang in your belly but think about it it's two hours after you just ate a full meal you do not need fuel. You're just conditioned to expect it. You like it. It feels good. And that's real. That's very real. But it's also not true hunger and a signal that you need to fuel your body. And we can look in the mirror and tell if we're overfed. That doesn't mean that intermittent fasting is the right answer for you. So please, if you're, if you're starting to dive into the all or nothing rabbit hole of, oh my gosh, now I need to do intermittent fasting, please stop. Because progress in any regard is a good thing, and intermittent fasting isn't the only way. I'm just trying to help everybody kind of see that, generally speaking, we are overfed. Another thing that people will panic about when they think about this term intermittent fasting is that they're going to lose muscle. And I want to, again, remind you that intermittent fasting is not about going a week without food. And we also have to remind ourselves of how we evolved, okay? We didn't come from these scrawny sticks and bones kind of people who lost all of their muscle mass because they didn't continually eat every two to four hours. It's just not true. A short fasting window does not make your body consume its muscle. It's just not true. Let's talk for a second about some of the benefits of intermittent fasting. And for the sake of the benefits I wanna review, I'm talking about about a 12 hour fast, 12 to 18 hours, right? So I'm not talking about these benefits if you can you know, hold out for three to four hours, it's not what I'm talking about. First and foremost, we genuinely or generally see lower body weight and a lower body fat percentage with people who have a longer intermittent fasting period. Here's why. Your body, during the fasting or not-fed window, the fasted window, upregulates both lipolysis and fat oxidation. So lipolysis is releasing the fat from those stored fat cells, and then oxidation is actually burning it. So we need both of those processes to really rid our body of the excess body fat. So the fasting window upregulates release of the fat from the fat cell and burning of the fat. We see an increase in this one hormone that I don't think I've talked about on the podcast yet, but it's called Adipose triglyceride lipase, right, so it's breaking down fat. This hormone governs that first step of fat loss, the release of fat from your fat cells. And with fasting, the activity of this hormone can increase by up to 50%, so that's really significant. Another benefit of having these longer fasting periods, and again, we're talking about 12 plus hours, we're not talking about 72 hours, we're not talking about a week, but we see lower blood sugar and lower overall insulin levels, and remember that insulin is a storage hormone. And that storage hormone sends signals to the body that we are in anabolic mode, build-up mode, storage mode, and therefore, going back to the first point that I made, we cannot simultaneously be in catabolic or breakdown mode. So anything that we can do to reduce insulin or improve our insulin sensitivity is going to be really good for fat loss, but I again want to emphasize that intermittent fasting is not the only way to improve these things. There are two issues here. One is being overfed, right, quantity, and timing is the other, constantly feeding, constantly putting ourselves back into fed state. We also, with fasting of 12 or so hours, see an increase of the secretion of the hormone glucagon, and glucagon is the opposite of insulin. Remember that insulin, the presence of insulin, turns off fat-burning mode because it sends a signal to the body that we're in storage mode. There's an excess of fuel. Glucagon is the total opposite glucagon signals the body that fuel is needed and that allows your body to initiate fat burning because fat burning isn't for the body, isn't some cosmetic process, right? It literally is saying, oh, okay, we need extra fuel. Let's dip into that stored body fat around the hips and butt and thighs and burn that for fuel. So glucagon initiates that process and we see an upregulation in glucagon when we have these fasting windows. Fasting also decreases inflammation in the body, and I like to always remind people that inflammation is the starting point for just about every modern disease, and it can impact our health and our ability to burn fat and our hormone balance in tons of different ways. Inflammation is not just about joint pain. I know people think inflammation, they think achy joints, they think anti-inflammatory drugs, but inflammation is about a lot more than that, and we see a decrease in overall systemic inflammation when we have these fasting windows. Lastly, the science geek in me wants to really emphasize the fact that these fasting windows are actually really good for our cellular health too, because fasting encourages our body to kill off unhealthy cells that can mutate and lead to disease and degeneration. It supports kind of the cellular house cleaning, getting rid of the bad stuff. Again, though, it doesn't mean that intermittent fasting is the answer for everybody. And I I like to kind of challenge people to think through some different things when it comes to intermittent fasting. If intermittent fasting is increasing your food obsession, right, making you miserable and getting you to the point where you think about food all day long and you just can't wait until that hour comes when you're, quote unquote, allowed to eat again, That's not sustainable, and that's not healthy, and I wouldn't really encourage anything that is going to make you feel that way. It doesn't make everybody feel that way. The other thing is, are you really white-knuckling it? Is it miserable? Are you relying on willpower and feeling like you're really missing out? If that's the case, you're probably not going about it in a sustainable way. Do you feel like you could do this fairly effortlessly for the rest of your life? If not, it's not to say you can't take advantage of intermittent fasting, but it's a signal that the way you're going about it probably isn't the best way. And some of the general concerns that I have in terms of recommending intermittent fasting for people is that they do tend to see it as this black and white, all-or-nothing approach of I absolutely cannot eat between, you know, 6 p.m. and 10 a.m. And really, that's kind of silly, okay, because it's about progress. It's about, it's not about perfection. There is no magical time window. And we'll talk about how you can practically implement some of these strategies, but if you're looking at this as a black-and-white, all-or-nothing kind of approach, then that to me is a red flag that maybe it's not what is best for you. The other thing to consider is that if this leads you to overcompensating, it's probably not best for you. And that's not the case for everybody, but you can pretty easily tell if that's the case for you. If having a, say, 16-hour fasting window leads you to totally binge as soon as that mental timer goes off and you're like, oh, I can eat again, and then you go totally bananas off the rails... Probably not a good approach for you. That doesn't mean that you can't begin to work on identifying true hunger and staying kind of away from the chronic overfeeding. There are still ways that you can make improvements, but it doesn't mean that the 16 hour, 12 hour fast is what's right for you. Okay, so if you're finding that you overcompensate. It does not mean that you can't take advantage of some of these benefits maybe by reducing the amount of times you're feeding yourself or the quantity that you're feeding yourself, right? Reduce that window of being in the fed state and expand that window of being in the fasted state without the stringent rules of 16 hours without food. You know what I mean? I just, if you find that you're overcompensating, It just means that the way you're going about it probably is not right for you, okay? So you really have to pay attention to how it makes you feel. That will be different based on your activity level. That will be different based on your body composition and your lifestyle, right? If you feel like, oh, well, I can't enjoy breakfast with my kids now, well, I mean, that's silly. That's not sustainable and it's not necessary. And it doesn't mean that you can't make progress in other ways. So let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about practical implementation. First and foremost, if you are focusing on other big rocks, Don't get distracted and go from, well, what I'm doing right now is working to, ooh, something new, I should try this, shiny things. This might not be your big rock. If you're in a good place, if you're seeing results and if you're making progress and feeling good, do not have dieting ADD and, you know, run off to this new, exciting, more effective whatever. Stay where you're at and keep doing what you're doing. The second thing from a practical implementation standpoint is to keep it simple. Okay, focus on a small improvement. I don't want you going from like never having considered intermittent fasting to now I'm going to do a 16-hour fast every day or three times a week or whatever else. Keep it simple. One thing you can do is just add a 30-minute window to your fasted state. So if you typically eat up until like 9 o'clock at night, then maybe you decide, well, this week let's try let's try stop eating at 8.30, right? And you've added a 30-minute window to your fasted state. Try that for a few weeks Practice it, okay? The third thing to keep in mind is just the simple awareness that you don't always have to be in a fed state. You're not going to die. You're not going to get sick, right? Don't panic when you first have that initial hunger sensation. Instead, just be like, oh, okay, I noticed that. It's not going to kill me. I'm not going to lose my mind. It's probably not going to lead me to like a three-day bender, right? So just remind yourself that you don't always have to be in this fed state, and if you really want to make progress towards your fat loss goals, it's probably better that you not be, and there's lots of health benefits to extending the amount of time we're in the fasted state, but that doesn't have to mean a traditional, you know, not eating window. Now, if you feel like you already have control of your big rocks, okay, and that this is maybe the next thing you want to focus on, that's great. Maybe you start with a 12 hour fast like 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. if you're already doing that 16 hours is another option you can do and the longest fast that i would recommend is 24 hours but i don't recommend going a full day without eating just because psychologically that can be really hard but times that have worked for me are like going 2 p.m. to 2 p.m. right or 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. so you're still eating every day but Again, I'm like, wave this flag till I'm like blue in the face. Don't do this if you are focusing on another rock, if you're seeing results there, if you're building up the practice. But if you've been playing around with intermittent fasting already, these are just a couple ways to tweak it. The bottom line of all of this is that most of us are overfed, and we're staying in that fed state, that anabolic mode throughout the day, munching and snacking, at any little urge of hunger every couple of hours, and that really does prevent us from going into fat-burning mode. But don't let this conversation deter you if what you're doing is working, if you're building another habit. Don't stress. Don't freak out. Ask yourself, are you getting results, and if you're feeling good, keep going, right? Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. If you're not, seek progress. You don't have to go from eating every three hours to feeling like you have to fast for 18 hours a day. Find foods that really satisfy you, right? That's one part of this too, not just going from where you're at now to fasting, but how can I change what I'm eating in the composition of my meals to include foods that really satisfy me? For me and for most of my clients, this is cruciferous vegetables and fat, right? Right? and eat more slowly and mindfully. Chew more, drink more water. Don't eat your meals in front of the computer or in front of the TV because there is that psychological satisfaction that we miss out on when we rush through our meals. Also, question your hunger. Ask yourself, am I really in need of fuel or am I just craving something because somebody around me is eating or am I just used to eating at this time of the day? What will happen if I ride it out? Wait a little bit, see what happens, have some tea, take a walk, have a bottle of water. If it's still there, ask yourself, what does my body really need right now? Don't be a creature of impulse, okay? Just because you have an urge or a thought of food doesn't mean you need to act on it. And then when you're ready, build in more time in that fasted state. And that doesn't have to mean a 12-hour fast or an 18-hour fast or a 24-hour fast, but it might Just remember that it's about progress, not perfection, and identifying what works for you. And when you find your minimum effective dose, stay there. Don't be distracted by every new idea that comes up. Ultimately, don't complicate something that's very simple. And the simple thing is fueling your body and not over fueling your body and letting your body kind of naturally guide you to what you need one other point i want to make here is that liquid calories are not fasting okay bulletproof coffee is not fasting it's fuel it's actually a lot of fuel because it's a relatively high calorie um, option so fueling in any way is not fasting we're talking water black coffee tea and the anything with fuel, calories, is not fasting. But I don't want people to be like, oh my gosh, well, if I can't put cream in my coffee, I can't fast. Listen, it's not about perfection, okay? So you know I answer your emails and you know I love your emails, but when it comes to like the little nitty gritty stuff and getting hung up on the silly stuff, like ask yourself, does this really move the needle? You know, does this really move the needle? If I'm going from Chick-fil-A for breakfast and I wanna try doing a fast and it's a matter of putting almond milk in my coffee, like, Okay, (laughs) you don't have to be perfect. Don't get hung up on the silly stuff. So practical implementation-wise really boils down to if what you're doing is working, stay where you're at and keep practicing and don't get distracted, right? And if you're ready to make a change, realize that it should not be an all or nothing thing. Focus on small improvements, even if that just means extending your fasted window by 30 minutes or really questioning your hunger and not constantly putting yourself back into that fed state every two hours or 90 minutes or whatever it is. A great resource on this that I'm going to link to on the show notes page on primalpotential.com is the book Eat, Stop, Eat, but... Do not get in the information trap like, oh, I need to learn more about this intermittent fasting thing. I'd rather see you get into action mode than education mode. Your body is going to tell you what you need, so you don't need a million different opinions. Just choose one thing and monitor its impact on your body, okay? So I hope this was really helpful. If you haven't already, head over to primalpotential.com and get on the VIP email list because that's where I send out a lot of my fat loss tips and information, motivation, recipes, workouts, all that stuff. But more importantly, that's how you can email me and let me know if you have questions about this topic or other topics you want me to cover on the show because I love to give you guys what you want and need so we can reach your goals together. So until next time, stay healthy.